I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 33 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to share some things that I learned in Burns, Oregon. So earlier this week, I had the opportunity to speak in Burns, Oregon. As you're probably aware, that's uh, near the wildlife refuge that was taken over by armed ranchers a few weeks ago. And it was quite an experience being out there. Uh, I got to speak to a group of about 80 to 100 people and talked about the Constitution and the limits on federal authority. They were obviously very receptive to that message. But to be honest, I think I probably learned as much, if not more, than the group I spoke to. So in this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head, I'm going to just share a few of the things that I learned, along with some general impressions that I came away with on my trip. First off, I just have to say that the area out there is absolutely beautiful. I texted my wife as I was driving from Boise to Burns uh, during a rare moment that I actually had cell service, and I described the area as vast and empty. You know, when you live in the East, I don't think you really get a sense of just how big the United States is and and how much land there is. I drove for hours through literally empty landscape. It was a pretty poignant reminder of how insignificant we are in the big scheme of things. You know, when we're all packed together in a city, it's easy to think that humankind is this overwhelming force on the earth. And I'm not discounting the impact of human activity on the planet, don't get me wrong, but the truth is the world we live in is a heck of a lot bigger than most of us realize, and and the power of nature uh, I think is pretty overwhelming when we step back and and get outside of our quote-unquote civilization and really look at the world that we live in. So the West is an alien place to this Kentucky boy, and, and that leads me to another important revelation. I was talking to some of the ranchers about the issues that they face, and I realized that I have absolutely no clue about what life is like on the range. I don't know a thing about ranching or the intricacies of land management or the environmental conditions in eastern Oregon. No clue. And unless you live out there, you don't either. Here's the sad part. There are hundreds of bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. that don't know any more about managing Western land than I do, and they are making decisions that are impacting these people thousands of miles away. By and large, I'm certain they have no more of a clue about Western rangeland than I do. The only difference between me and the feds is that I admit my ignorance. 
The more I talked to the people in Burns, the more absurd the current system seemed. I mean, how in the world does anybody think politicians thousands of miles removed can effectively manage Western land? Anybody with a shred of common sense understands that local control is more effective because locals grasp local concerns. Progressives should love local control of land because they're always yammering about localism. You see, the thing is, they only want localism if it conforms to their particular notions and their particular desires. Well, I've got news for you. That's not localism. I'll just give you an example that was shared with me. The wildlife refuge out there used to host huge populations of birds. Well, the birds are pretty much gone from the refuge. You know why? To protect the birds, the feds decided that the ranchers couldn't run cattle through there anymore. So the grass grew up and the underbrush became very dense. Well, apparently the birds prefer grazed land because they all flock to areas around Burns now where there is still an abundance of grazed pasture land, private land that's not regulated by the feds. So to protect the birds, the Brain Trust in Washington, D.C. enforced a policy that ran the birds off. Okay, I need to pause here and dispel a common myth that these ranchers are a bunch of greedy, rich white dudes who want to exploit public lands. You spend about five minutes with these people and you can't help but realize that just ain't so. These are everyday, hardworking, middle-class families. You don't make a bajillion dollars running cattle. The profit margins are extremely slim and one bad year can ruin a man. Another thing that most people don't realize is that in order to run cattle on these so-called public lands, the rancher has to make improvements. He has to build fences, he has to create water supplies, and he has to build other infrastructure. The rancher has to do all of this and invest all of this money on land that isn't even his. Then one day, the Bureau of Land Management can just come along and say, Oh, sorry, we need to protect some birds, so uh, no more cattle. Well, when that happens, the rancher can't get back the money he's invested. He can't sell the equipment or anything. It's, it's built on this public land. It's just gone. It's a crazy system. So please, just dispense with the whole greedy white guy stereotype. It's just not true. Here's another example that will give you an idea of just how inane federal policy has become. You see, decisions aren't made in a vacuum. In the absence of localism, lobbyists become the prime driver of policy. When it comes to land issue, it's radical environmentalists that run the show. They spend millions of dollars to influence the suits in Washington, D.C. Ranchers don't have that kind of clout. Now, I'm not talking about your general conservationist, you know, people that want clean air and clean water. I'm talking about people who embrace a philosophy that borders on religious. These people think that humans are the enemy of the environment. So any human activity is suspect. They basically want to push humans off of all the land. But humans are part of the environment, as the issue of the birds illustrated. So these people have an agenda, and they force it through no matter what the actual science might show. So my friend Tom was telling me about this scientist he got to know when he was working as a cowboy in Nevada. Yes, I got to hang out with the genuine cowboy. And I don't care what you say, that's just cool. Anyway, this scientist was leading a study through Purdue University to try to find the ideal creek. What kind of plants and animals should be there, the best rates of erosion, stuff like that. So the scientist and his team were going all through Nevada and studying creek ecosystems. They did this for like five years. 
Tom said he was really skeptical of the whole thing at first, but he was pleasantly surprised to find that this particular scientist was actually interested in science. He determined that there is no perfect creek ecosystem. They're all unique. It depends on all kinds of factors, from elevation to soil pH. Kind of makes sense, right? I mean, when Tom was telling me the story, I was thinking, yeah, duh, that's intuitive, right? So Tom asked the scientist, well, what's going to happen next? And the guy says, well, the government will commission a new study, and somebody else will do the same thing, and that will continue until they get the answer they want. You see, they already have a policy in mind. They want to centrally plan creeks in Nevada. So they're looking for the science, and I'm using air quotes here, to justify whatever policy they plan on implementing. They're going to keep doing the science until they get the answer they want so that they can implement the policy that they've already determined. Centrally planning creeks. Isn't that absurd? But that's what the government does. It tries to centrally plan stuff, and it fails every single time, whether it's the economy or foreign policy or the environment. It's a knowledge problem. There is simply no way that any person or group of people can grasp all of the complexities, see all of the consequences of a given action, nor predict the outcome of a given action in a complex system. It's simply impossible. And that brings us full circle back to localism. Will local people manage land perfectly? Of course not. But neither does the federal government. In fact, it's a complete disaster, even if you just consider environmental factors. If you ever meet somebody who lives near BLM-controlled land, just ask them about wildfires. You will get an earful. Government policy actually makes fires more frequent and more destructive. So why is it that private control or local control of land is supposed to live up to a standard higher than the monopoly control we have now? It makes no sense. But hey, why should you care, right? They're just a bunch of rich ranchers. Well, I'll tell you why. Because the monopoly control the government is exercising over Western land now is eventually going to be applied to something you value. Maybe it's your hemp or your raw milk or your guns. Who knows what? But you need to look at the bigger picture. You may not care about rangeland in the West, but you should care about individuals getting hosed by a monopolist. You could be next. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and spread the word. And make sure you head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast there. You're welcome to send me any thoughts or ideas at michael.meharry at 10 Again, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.